0: illustrates us, for us, the the brokenness that can come into our lives as a result of sin, especially sexual sin. Ravi Zacharias said this. He said, sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. It's all over the news, the way that we can see sexual impurity and sexual morality and the way that it can destroy our families and destroy our lives It's like the video that you just watched. Or how about in the news recently here in Michigan where two Michigan lawmakers uh, in the state house that were just removed from their position. One resigned, one was removed after the reality of their affair and subsequent attempt to cover it up when that came to light. Or how about this news story about... The Ashley Madison website, if you're not familiar with that, Ashley Madison is a website that serves as an online dating service slash social network where if you want to have an affair, you can meet people there and supposedly your identity will be protected. They have a tagline that says, life is short, have an affair. The site has 39 million users in 50 countries. In August, the hackers, hackers broke into the site, stole data from, uh, uh, of the users, uh, and, and said to the website, unless you shut down, we're going to release uh, this personal information. And they didn't shut the website down, and they released the information. They released the names and the personal information of people that had used the site. And again, if you're watching, you're paying attention to what's going on in our world, you saw how lives were devastated, families were ravaged, People's lives were destroyed, like the one pastor, if you saw again the news story, where the one pastor whose name appeared on the site, appeared on the data that was released and he couldn't handle it and so he killed himself when his sin was revealed. Or how about Josh Duggar? You might recognize his face, the married son and father of four. He's the eldest of the Duggars of the family, uh, 19 kids and counting. Josh Duggar's. Name appeared on the site, and he admitted after that that he was addicted to pornography and that he had indeed been unfaithful to his wife, and he was a paying customer to that website, the Ashley Madison website. He lost his job, he resigned from his position, he entered into a long-term, according to his family treatment facility for sexual addiction. And we hear these stories out in our world, and the reality is they're not just out in our world they're all too many times inside our world and even inside the church we've been looking at the beatitudes the these sayings of jesus from his great sermon on the mount where he Talks to us about the blessed life and we want to have, and we're in this series and, and as I mentioned in week one, it's inspired from a similar series that Craig Rochelle did where he used the Beatitudes and applied them to the family and that's what we're trying to do as well. And so we want today to apply this passage of scripture, this Beatitude to the families. We think about talking about some real life kind of things that go on and affect our families and Jesus said this and let's apply it to the family today. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. When Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, that word pure, is a word in the Greek that real simply, the, the easiest way to define it is clean. Jacob, the youngest son, plays for Lakeshore uh, soccer. And a week or so, a week and a half ago or so, uh, was, I think it was a Tuesday night, it was raining really hard and we were at a soccer game. and. And so it was raining really hard, and, and Jacob, you know, sweaty, wet, comes in, uh, throws his uh, his soccer uniform in a pile. Crystal uh, was going to wash it for him. Uh, several days later, the the next game, it's time for the next game, and so he goes, and he's he was in the back of the house. I was in the front of the house, and he yells to his mom, "Hey, mom, where are my shorts?" And he was putting his uniform on, and. And she's like, they're there in the stack, and no, they're not, and so this uh, conversation ensued, and long story, medium length, they find the shorts in a pile uh, underneath some stuff, and they had been there sitting wet uh, for all those days, sweaty and wet underneath this other pile of clothes, and so he had no recourse, he had to get to the game, and so he put the shorts on, now on the outside, everything looked great. But I can assure you as he walked into my bedroom later on that evening that things were not great. Okay? You hear what I'm saying? Uh, (laughs) They were not clean. Even though they looked clean on the outside, they weren't clean. They weren't pure. Jesus was talking talking to us about the pure life. And he said, blessed are those who are pure, who are clean in heart. Blessed are those who are free from impurities. Not just what it looks like that it looks good on the outside, but what's going on on the inside matters. That's what Jesus was saying. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those that are pure in the, the innermost part of who they are. And so as we think about applying this passage to our families, to our homes, it matters what's going on inside of us. Our purity matters. And so as we strive to live clean, as we strive to live the blessed life, as Jesus said, blessed are those who have pure hearts they'll see God let's apply that truth even though when Jesus said it originally he was of course applying that to all of our lives and in a much greater detail than just our families but let's narrowly apply it to our families today and so how can we create a culture of purity in our families in our homes in our lives well it starts with our hearts As members of families, as individual members, it matters. And so, as we strive to create that culture of purity, we need to purify our heart, our heart personally. That's how we're going to be blessed. That's what Jesus said. Those that have pure hearts are blessed. Families that are blessed are those that have individuals within those families that are living with pure hearts. They're going to see God. God. And so we need to, Jesus is saying, we need to pay attention to our heart. It matters what happens inside of us, what's going on in us. It matters not just what people see, but it matters what people don't see, that God sees that's going on in us. Purity of heart matters. But our world would say this instead. Our world would say this. You need to just follow your heart. Life's short. Have an affair. If it feels good, do it. Be who you were created to be. We're all free, the world would say. Do whatever you want to do. Again, follow your heart. But God knows it's not such a good plan. God gives us a pretty good assessment of our hearts. He knows our hearts. This is what God says of our hearts. He says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. As we think about our own lives and our own hearts, we have a heart problem. And, and that's what God is saying, even though our world would say just follow your heart, do whatever you feel what feels right, just do that. God says, no, that, that doesn't work because our hearts, we have a heart problem. We have a heart that is bent to sin, bent to do what is not God's best for us, bent towards not the blessed life, but a different kind of life that we have our own agenda that we want to live when we're left kind of our own design, devices and we kind of do things on our own. And Jesus says the blessed life is the life where there's purity of heart. Because purity of heart means a life lived according to what God says and His best for us. His, his best for us is laid out in this wonderful book that we have. God's gold standard for us is, is, is laid out here. God's truth is always best. It will always end best for us. But when we think about our own hearts, our hearts, as God said, they're just, it's deceitful above all things. I'm the designated at night guy that gets to take the dog out. Our dog, I, if you were here last week, I talked a little about Daisy. This is a picture of Daisy. Uh, Daisy is our dog. She's a standard poodle. Um, and she's very black, very dark. And so I take her out, and there happened to be one night where it was really overcast. There weren't any stars or the moon. You couldn't see it, whatever. And the lights, I didn't turn the lights on. The lights were out. And I'm standing outside, and, and, and Daisy is out there. I know she's out there. I couldn't see her anywhere. She's in the yard somewhere. I could hear kind of her little... Bags, kind of jingling occasionally. So I knew that she was out there, but I couldn't, couldn't see her. And let me just say, I can't overstate the importance of me bringing this dog back into the house, okay? Because you're going to be looking next week for a new preacher if that dog does not, if it runs away and I'm unable to find it. Okay, Crystal loves that dog. Jacob loves the dog. And so, uh, but after I stood there for a while, and my eyes began to adjust, I could see her. I can see her running around because our eyes tend to adjust to the darkness. And that's the way our lives are. When we get away from the light of Christ, the light of His truth, that when we walk and we spend a lot of time, our eyes, our lives begin to kind of adjust to the darkness of our world. We get used to to that darkness. We adjust to the darkness. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 and 19 says they are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from, and he he describes it, alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity left on our own following our heart. That's kind of the path. That's the bent. That's where we go kind of on our own when we just kind of do our own thing. Our hearts, our lives become dark. And we get used to that. And it's easy, as the scripture says, to become calloused, to adjust to the darkness. On the other hand, the blessed life is that is the is the life of purity. Blessed are the are the are those that have purity of heart. Larkin, the guy in the in the video, he'd lived this with that secret sin for years. He'd gotten used to it. He had justified it. He had he'd made it okay in his own head, I'm sure. I want you to hear me when I say this. Christ is the only solution that will create in us a clean or a pure heart. He's the only one that can purify our sin. We're all sinners. It starts there. It starts as we think about it. If we're going to have a culture of purity, then we need to purify our hearts, our own hearts. Because, again, on our own, we don't do so well. He is the solution, not just looking at, at the outside, not just purity so that, it's, so that we're pure with what people see, but are we pure inside? Is there some what's going on in us? Are we pure of heart? And that's where we can find help from Christ. And it starts as we confess our sins and as we confess that impurity that no one else knows about, both inside and out. And so it starts with our own heart, and as we think about creating this culture of purity in our families. Secondly, we do that by protecting our heart. The psalmist says this in Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. So let me just kind of switch that up a bit and kind of, again, apply it to our family and kind of, as we kind of think about that, how can a family keep its way pure, in other words? What's the answer that we see here? By guarding it according to your word. Our families need to apply, as as individuals in the family, we need to apply into our homes, into our lives, God's word. To guard our, our hearts by his word. As we apply it, it needs to be the foundation. It's truth needs a foundation that we build our lives on. Not the foundation of the world will say, you can do whatever you want to do. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Just follow your heart. Do whatever your heart wants you to do. Because that standard is always changing. When it's us, when it's our own personal ideas, when it's our culture's own personal ideas. I mean, just, just look around. Look around at our culture and you can see the the slide, the the moral slide of our culture, the change in our culture, the the change from what our culture said is the right thing or the the heart kind of thing, follow your heart, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50, whatever years ago you see the slide, our hearts are not the good foundation, it's not a place to base on what, how to live your life and how to find a blessed life. We can't trust our hearts, Is Jeremiah, inspired by God says in Jeremiah 17, what feels right doesn't work out so well many times. So let me kind of take a pause and talk to you young people. You're here today and and you're here maybe you've been coming to church for some time, you maybe you're new, but you you really have a desire to have a heart for God, that you have a heart that it, maybe you're single, that, that someday, maybe you're a teenager, young person, that someday you want God's blessing on your future family, whatever that looks like for you. And you really want that. That's your heart at some future point, that you want God's blessing on some, you know, whatever that looks like again for you in the future. But right now you're, you're a young person and the world says, go have some fun, follow your heart, life's short sleep with whoever you want to, smoke whatever you want to do, party uh, however you want to, do whatever you want to do. There will be time in the future to settle down. Just follow your heart now. Get it out of your system, have some fun, and then at some future point you can honor God and get his help to create a pure family in the future. I love what Craig Rochelle said when he said, you don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. In other words, you don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. You don't build a future pure family on a foundation of sin. And so what I just want to encourage you is to start today. Whatever the past looks like is the past. You have walked into this place. God's brought you to this place. And today is this day of grace and forgiveness and mercy and long suffering and second chances. And he loves you. And so what it look like today to begin a journey of creating a culture of purity in your own life. Life in your own heart. You need to protect your heart. Our families, if you kind of think about family, um, parents, it's your job. Grandparents, it's your job to protect the kids, protect the grandkids. And we have any number of ways in our culture today that, that we do that. It's all about you know, protecting the kids, making sure the kids don't get hurt or whatever. You go on a field trip in school and you've got to sign your life away. There's all these, all these uh, forms and waivers you've got to sign. And we want to make sure we protect our kids. You play sports and again there's all kinds of stuff you've got to sign. And there's now new protocols for head injuries and concussions and, and all this stuff. It's the parents' role to protect their kids. I think we'd all agree with that. And so let me just ask you a couple rhetor- rhetorical questions. Are we, are we protecting our 14 year old daughters when we allow them to date, go on a car date with a hormone ravaged 16 year old guy that we've never met? Are we protecting the heart of our 13 year old son that we give a smartphone to and unlimited access to the internet with no accountability? Are we protecting the heart of our kids? When we never know what media, we never know what movies, we never know what online stuff is feeding their heart, are we protecting their hearts? We must protect their hearts. And if we at night, if we care about them brushing their teeth, and we care about them eating healthy, and we care about them not riding in cars with that one friend that's a knucklehead, we also ought to care about their heart. We need to be engaged in protecting their heart. When uh, the boys were much smaller, in fact, when they were not very old at all, uh, you know, I've always been a kid at heart. I kind of pride myself at that. I love, I've said this to you before, but I love it when the boys tell me that I'm the most immature adult they know. I take great <laughs> pride in that. Um, and so I love, uh, I try to act kind of pastoral, especially when we're representing you out in the community. I try my best to do that. Um. But uh, when, the, when the boys were small, I loved uh, when I was a kid playing video games. I'm a Atari 2600. I grew up on that. Anybody else? Any Atari 2600 folks? All right. Amen. So that was me. And so I, I've never kind of lost that. I've always loved that. Uh, and so I've always loved playing video games. So when the kids were, the boys were small, I, you know, was excited when they got, finally got old enough to, for us to buy our first video game console when Caleb was a year and a half old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jacob just born. Uh, they're old enough, finally. And uh, and I literally said to Crystal uh, back in the day, I don't know, this year and a half but they weren't very old. I said, you know, Crystal, this is a way for the boys and I to bond. And so that was. Uh, we've always played video games, but as they grew up, they, they, there were standards that we had for the video games, and so and we would talk about that, and they, they, all the friends are getting this new video game, and so they'd come, hey, Dad, there's this new video game, and so we'd go to the video game store, and we'd kind of look around, and they'd hey, what about this one, or what about that one? And so they'd come to me, and they'd bring it, and and Jacob, as my witness, we would stand in the video game store, and we would get online, and we would stand there, and they would say, Dad, will you check this one out? And I would check it out, and I had to give the green light before they purchased the thing that sometimes all their friends friends had but because I was the crazy dad they didn't get to play that particular one and things as they got older things you know we began to kind of ease up you know it wasn't just you know even though one of Jacob's favorite was my pretty pony you know he didn't have to continue to play that (laughs) his entire uh you know teenage years we let him play some other stuff uh, later on um we have to protect their hearts And let me say this. I just want you to just hear what I say, parents. There comes times when our kids don't necessarily need another friend in their life. They need a parent. And you have to be a parent. There's one final thing as we think about creating a culture of purity in our families. And that's to pursue righteousness with all our heart. Righteousness is right living. It's living right. And ultimately we, we, we will stand before God and with the day that we stand before God uh, we, we're going to be, be able to do that not, we're going to stand before him and we're going to be in, uh, invited into eternity not because of all the right things that we have done and all the right living that we've done. In that moment we'll stand before God and we'll, he'll be able to see us in that moment and invite us into, into heaven not because of our own righteousness but in that moment and scripture talks about this and it's awesome. It talks about the robes of Christ's righteousness will be placed on us, will be imputed to us, it's a cruel, uh, theological kind of stuff, but it, it'll be laid on us it, we, and so when, Christ, when God sees us, he sees the robes of Christ's righteousness, so it's not our right living that gets us into heaven, and so it's not about us, and so we talk about right living and having a, this, creating a culture of, uh, of purity and, and, and pursue righteousness with all of our heart it's not because we think we're earning our salvation that's not it, we don't get into heaven because we live perfect we get into heaven because we put our faith in Jesus Christ who lived perfect we need Christ so today when I talk about we need to pursue righteousness with all of our heart it's not so that we gain entrance into heaven it's because that's the way we live out our faith it matters how we live our world for too long has looked at us and they've seen us they've they've watched us, they've observed us saying one thing and living another they see us and, and our names are on the Ashley Madison websites right beside theirs. And that's crazy. It's ludicrous. That's not what we have called to be and to do. We have been called. This is, the, this is what we have been called. Is we think about creating this culture of, 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 of purity that, that's going to make a difference in our families. This is what we've been called to. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 14. As obedient children, we are God's children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Just you tell us how you think? I mean, that, he's tell us how it is. Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, the way that you live. So, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And that's the standard that we strive after. Again, it matters how we live. In our families, it matters. It matters what our children see. Grandparents, grandmas and grandpas, it matters. Aunts and uncles, it matters. It matters the way that we live. It matters the big, uh, the, 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 the small pieces of integrity, the large pieces of integrity. Uh, it matters what our kids see in us. It matters when when the server comes, the, the, the person that's waited on us, in the table, and we've given them some cash, and they come back, and they put an extra $5 bill on the in the, in the change, because they miscounted. And it matters when our kids see us, oh, wow, she messed up. I'm going to take that money. Instead of letting our kids see, oh, she miscounted. Hey, miss, I'm, I'm sorry, but you, you made a mistake. This is actually your money, it's not mine. Our kids are watching us. It matters for us what our kids see. It matters that my son right now could go on our Netflix account and it matters to me that he can go and he can look at my history. And it matters to me that he can see what I've watched. I want him to be able to. I think about it when I decide what movie I'm going to watch. I literally think about the fact that he can look at it. I want him to. Because it matters that he knows that it matters to me. It matters when sons see fathers make sideways glances and follow women as they walk past that are not their moms and not their wives. It matters when boys see dads do that or not do that. That stuff matters. We need to pursue righteousness. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. In the NIV that same passage says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. There must not even be, he says, a hint of sexual immorality. And so the Bible quantifies it, not even a hint, not even a little speck of, 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 of sexual immorality. And so, and so let me just ask some questions, some rhetorical questions. You don't have to answer, but just kind of think in your mind. Is the answer yes or is the answer no? Is this a single person just sleeping with kind of half or maybe even just a quarter of the people that you date? Is that not having a hint of sexual immorality? Is not having a hint of sexual immorality just looking at softcore porn, not hardcore porn, is that not having even a hint of sexual immorality? Is not having even a hint of, hint of sexual immorality b- doing things uh, that technically you're still a virgin because you're willing to do whatever except the actual act of sexual intercourse, is, is, is that okay? Is, that, a, is not that not even having a hint of sexual immorality? Is not having a, even a hint of sexual immorality, uh, maybe you, you would never have an affair with someone, but you, you text and you connect on Facebook with old dating relationships and you send pictures back and forth and, and, uh, and Snapchat back and forth with stuff that's totally inappropriate and you do the hardcore flirting, is that not even having a hint of sexual immorality? It matters. Craig Rochelle tells a story of... Um, preteen kid that went to his mom and he wanted to watch this movie that she felt was inappropriate. And so they're having this discussion, and, and she says, well, the, there's these things that are inappropriate, and she talks about them, and the kid's like, well, yeah, there's a couple little things in the, in the movie, but it, it's not a big deal. And all my friends have watched it, it's really not that big a deal, mom. And so they have this, kind of this argument. And she finally, he kind of beats her down and kind of you know finally and just rhetorically and, and he, she finally gives in and she's like well first I mean uh, make them brownies you can eat them while you're watching your movie he's all excited so she goes away she makes the brownie she comes back and she's got this plate of brownies and she gives him one and just as he's about to take a bite in the uh, into the brownie the first brownie she says oh before you take that bite let me just share one little thing with you I actually went out into the backyard and got a little scoop of poop from the dog. And I put it in the brownies and I kind of mixed it up in there. And so I just wanted you to know that it's not very much. It probably won't even make a difference at all. You probably wouldn't even taste it. So go ahead. <laughs> Creating a culture of purity. Pursue righteousness with all of our heart. And so what's God saying to you today? How's God Saying that you need to flesh that out if you're a single person. How do you flesh that out if you're a married person? How do you flesh that out if you're, a, if you're an aunt or an uncle with, with, uh, with, with nieces and nephews that, that, that are watching you how, do you? how do you flesh that out if you're a grandparent? How do you flesh that out? And today, this is not about beating anybody up. It, what, what it's about is just challenging you. Because this stuff matters. Because our, it matters in our homes. That we live as people of purity. That's the key to the blessed life. And so I would just, let me just give you, try to give you some practical things and then we'll conclude. And so here's some practical things. Parents, I would encourage you to get on the same page. To talk about some of these things and to talk about what the standards are and what you're going to say no to, what you're going to say yes to. Just kind of, kind of talk about that. And I would encourage you to talk about it before it comes up. And here, here's, here's reality. Children are like cheetahs. Okay? They will separate you from the herd, and they will kill you if you're left on your own, okay? You need to make sure that you get on the same page together, okay, because there is safety in numbers. You need each other, all right? So so talk about it together. Get on the same page. Don't let them talk to you separately. You need to get on the same page. And so if you're divorced or whatever, and you've got kind of the two things going on, then I would encourage you to do whatever it takes to kind of even then to get on, try to do the best you can to get on the same page when they're maybe in another other weekend, they're in a different home or whatever, get on the same page as parents. For the sake of your kids, you need to do that. Uh, married couples, they're, they're, I would encourage you to, to commit to giving your spouse your whole heart, not your divided heart, not a heart that's divided over with some other emotional relationship. And, oh, I would never have an affair, but you know that you're, you're having conversations and you're having feelings that are absolutely inappropriate. Do you remember? You I, I, I don't want to be hardcore, but I want this stuff, again, this stuff matters. What did Jesus say? He said, you've heard He said it in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery with someone. But he said, I say to you, if you've lusted after her, you've already committed adultery with, your, with her in your heart. And so, don't give your heart away. Only give it to your spouse. And so don't divide your heart. Don't divide your heart emotionally. Don't divide your heart with internet relationships. Don't divide your heart with pornography. Single adults, I would, I would encourage you to commit to purity, to build a foundation of righteousness, of purity for your future relationships. And for some of you, God is going to bless you with a blessing of singleness. And that's a, that's a great thing. Look in Scripture. It, it, Paul talks about that. It's not a bad thing to be single. Don't think that you're a second-class citizen because you're single. That's not what Scripture says. Build a foundation of righteousness. And then let me just talk to us about pornography. And it's not just a guy thing. We in the church have dealt with some situations where uh, the, uh, the women, it's just as big an issue as for some men. And so both Sexes, this is a growing problem. It's the gateway drug for all types of sexual immorality. We need accountability. And if you've got an issue, then, then talk to someone that you trust and set up some accountability and have some relationships and, and so that you can talk to somebody and you can, you can ask them, to, Will you hold me accountable? If you've got a, an addiction like this guy, there's, 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 we've got a Southwestern uh, Medical uh, Clinic, the, the, the counseling arm of that. We have a relationship with them. You might need, maybe it's marital counseling, maybe it's counseling for addictions. And so get some help. You can go if you mention that you're a part of our church, you can go get two counseling sessions for free there as a part of our congregation. Mention that you're from here. And you can get some counseling. Get some help. And then I would just throw out that focus on the family for you parents, a lot of your kids have devices and they've got iPads and iPhones and this and that and computer that they're hooked up to or whatever. It matters.